One of you is the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a very British horror. And today we're going to be talking about one of the classics. One of the great Christmas ghost stories. Paul, what are we talking about? We are going to be talking about the Muppets Christmas Carol. No. <laughs> we really should. We should. <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> um, we, we decided that because the uh, BBC Four had decided to start showing these, we would do some more of the ghost stories for Christmas. Um, so throughout December. So the, this first one, we're doing the stalls of Barchester. Yes, of course, an M.R. James story. Yes, based on the stalls of Barchester Cathedral by M.R. James. It's interesting. um, He obviously comes up with quite long titles, which the BBC feels the need to shorten. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, oh, whistle and I'll come to you, my lad, which (laughs) which is a a mouthful. But actually changing the name here renders it like slightly strange. It's like the the, the town of Barchester's got stalls all over it. (laughs) It's like it's a market town. Yeah. It's going to the <laughs> Christmas market. Yeah. So, so the, the, the stalls of Barchester Cathedral would make more sense. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, this is really significant because this was the very first of the ghost stories for Christmas. Uh, it was made after Whistle and I'll Come to You, but that was an episode of Omnibus. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I, and this has quite an interesting production history, which I'll, I'll just go into briefly. We might come back to it. So the the documentary filmmaker Lawrence Gordon Clark really wanted to move into drama. He had previously read the Emma James stories and thought they'd be great. And he just went to the the controller of BBC One, I think it was. And said, I'd like to do this. And the controller gave him £8,000 or something like that to go for it, mate. <laughs> and um, so he did it. It was nothing to do with the BBC drama department. It's, this is this is essentially a documentary, like indeed Whistle and I'll Come to You. Like I said, an episode of Omnibus, essentially uh, a documentary, despite mm. not being a documentary. <laughs> It's, it, it is a little weird. I think it just goes to show how much TV has changed because I, th- I think it was quite common that, that documentaries uh, would cross over and, and now yeah. they're just totally separate, <laughs> just, just completely. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Lawrence Gordon Clark, he directed this himself. He also wrote and produced it. So as the series goes on, he just sticks with directing but but yeah, yeah. For, for here he he is this is the complete um Lawrence Gordon Clark the auteur um yeah. yeah so yeah okay so Paul what's it about okay so it is the story of um it, it's it's a story about clergymen and a rather um a rather sort of ambitious clergyman in, a, in, a, in the parish of, parish of Barchester or town of Barchester and he the existing uh, is it the archdeacon yeah is, is is a kind of old guy that's been around for ages who's in his 80s 
and uh, the the other archdeacon whose name I completely blanked on. So, um, so, so Archdeacon Pulteney is the is the old incumbent. That's it. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Deacon Haynes, the young that's pretender. It, yes. So Haynes um, is frustrated that he he the old man's still around and that he's that he would rather quite like his position. Mm. Um, so he engineers an accident. Uh, yeah, he does. He does. He does <laughs> so, 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 something to do with the stair rail, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's the stair runner. So um, basically, old, older houses tended to have uh, a stair runner, which is sort of like a, a narrow carpet down the middle of the stair. But in order to stop this slipping and people plummeting to their death or or severe injuries, um, they would have rods which would which would go across. This is the history of stairs now. We'd have rods which would, <laughs> which would go across at the bottom of each stair, holding the carpet in place so that it couldn't slip. And he, he engineers <laughs> next week's episode. <laughs> tell, me, tell me more about stairs, Paul. <laughs> next week's episode, the history of windows. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, so he, he removed removes one of the rods and, and the uh, old guy falls to his death. And the maid is blamed. And yeah. she, gets, she gets dismissed from her position. And um, De- Deacon Haynes becomes Archdeacon and it's, yeah. you know, lives happily ever after. Yeah. Except that he doesn't. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there is a framing story to this as well. So that's the there main is, yes. narrative. But there, there's a... Uh, and, and Deacon Haynes is, is played by Robert Hardy, um, and, and, and there's some other actors in, uh, that we'll, we'll, we'll come to in the main story. But there's also a framing sequence where we uh, set 50 years later, where Dr. Black, some kind yeah. of um, researcher or um, academic in a Jamesian way, is going through the papers at Barchester Cathedral and um, he, he, he gains access to the, the chest full of uh, Archdeacon Haynes's papers, yeah. a, a chest which was <laughs> left with orders never to be opened. <laughs> so, 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 and, and then I've never, I've never quite understood why that happens, why people could leave a big chest of, or folder of documents and various things and then order it never to be opened it's it's almost like you know it's going to be opened exactly (laughs) or yeah yeah it's it's like um yeah it's an inducement to read it this is the good stuff don't look at it (laughs) (laughs) and 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 so um dr black pieces together this this narrative yeah and dr black is paid played by clive swift who We'll remember um, from. Well, we'll remember from um, the episode of Dead of Night, yeah. <laughs> um, which was just a few. Was that a few months before this, or was that after this one? Can't remember. So I think Dead of Night was the next year. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was nineteen. This was made in nineteen seventy-one. Um, Stalls Barchester. Um, but Clive Swift, Swift later went on to be. Uh, Mr. Bucket, Mr. Bouquet in Keeping Up Appearances, didn't he? I think that's yeah. right. I think that's yeah. right. Um, yeah. Any, anyway, um, 
Dr. Haynes, having ascended to the position of Archdeacon, um, gets to, to sit in the Archdeacon's position. And, yep. and there are some intricate carvings there in, in his stool. There's a carving of a cat and a carving yep. of the figure of death. Yeah. Um, and there's some other interesting carvings all over the cathedral, apparently. So, so the, um, but those, well, those are the specific ones that the Archdeacon um, <laughs> gets to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, what happens then, Paul? So then he starts to uh, think that he's touching some real fur of where the cat should be. Um, yes, and yeah, that's right. To be plagued by this mysterious cat. Um, that's right, because the, the, the cat sort of hangs around his house. Yeah. And then, then, he, then he asks his, um, his servant, uh, do we have a cat? And so he says, yeah. no, no, there's no cat here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I find it odd that he didn't know whether they had a cat or not. But then I suppose cats just kind of wander in and out. Yeah, he thought it was a kitchen cat. So I, I think. Uh, OK. Yeah. Maybe so that was, maybe that was a thing. Yeah. Like a mouser. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so he is kind of. Um, uh, he does work very hard in his theological um, pursuits. So he, he's quite an unworldly person. I think I think it is reasonable to presume that he might not know if his um, yeah. if, if his servants had a cow or not. So uh, or, or not care particularly either way. Um, but he does also um, have hallucinations or seeming hallucinations regarding death as well, though, doesn't he? <laughs> so, he does. Yeah. <laughs> like like a like a uh, there's a isn't there a scene where a, like a, a skeletal hand touches him along the back and yeah. Yeah, which, which is kind of creepy, but also maybe stretches the special effects a little bit too far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's, it, it is, yeah, it's kind of a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fair. But um, over the winter months, he goes madder and madder, but yeah. then... Um, it sort of stops, gets better as he goes through, through, through the spring and the summer, doesn't it? But yeah, then then um, some of that isn't some of that. He he's better when he's got people with him. So his sister stays with him. Yeah, absolutely. For, for quite a bit, and then um, yes, yeah, so his sister Letitia is played yeah. by Thelma Barlow, who's Mavis from Coronation Street. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and. Um, I think his, his brother also comes to visit, yeah. but I don't think we actually see his brother. I think that's off screen. But, but um, yeah, you're, you're right. Although um, he isn't the only person that, that sees the cat, is, is he? Uh, I, I think. Um, um, I think they're kind of. Is that right? I think. I think it's corroborated that. that oh um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and um, or indeed death, because um, doesn't the sexton of the. Uh, of the cathedral see him walking with another figure who's obviously yeah. death stalking yeah. him yeah so so um yeah the, and, and and he he knows what's happening right he 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 knows he's being punished <laughs> yeah um but but he he's trying to basically 
ignore it. He probably thinks it's, uh, in fact, I think he does think it's not literally being punished by, you know, the forces of darkness or forces of light, but but he thinks it's a psychological problem. And if he just toughs it out, it'll be okay, which is kind of um, a Victorian approach to mental health, isn't it? So it's quite a good embodiment of that. He just yeah. goes, I must be firm. I must be firm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, absolutely not the way to deal <laughs> with with your problems and unfortunately uh, this is how it transpires for the archdeacon oh um and and just as an aside there is um he's blackmailed by the maid because the, the the maid yeah. obviously knows he did it and that she didn't and he ends up having to pay her and uh, dr black sees the evidence of the bank um transfers and stuff so yeah Victorian version of bank transfers. <laughs> so um, uh, Dr. Black knows quite early on that Archdeacon Haynes is a murderer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I think at one point he, one point he says, what a, what a shame. He seems like such a good Archdeacon. <laughs> it's a shame he couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame he, he, he's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then then we, we build up to the, um, the big conclusion where... Um, the archdeacon is essentially assaulted by the the spirits on the stairs and ends up yeah. falling down the tumbling down the stairs to his death um and then which i thought was surprisingly nasty yeah the the, 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 the end result of that and i, I thought oh they they're, they're going to kind of pull away from that a little bit but it was actually reasonably graphic yeah so by the early 70s, you could do that. It's just a question of how effectively you film it. And they yeah. film, 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 film really well. Um, and one thing about this is that it, um, because of the way it was made, it, um, it was all filmed on location and all on film, actual film. Yeah. The interiors are not videotaped. So it looks a lot nicer than a lot of television. Yeah, well, they can play with, play with the lighting. And that kind of thing. Yeah, because good. I mean, the the, the way that te- television used to work in studios with the multi camera setups and stuff, absolute. I mean, cheap, but um, yeah. absolutely does not look as good as like a single camera film camera, sixteen millimeter. But it 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 looks really beautiful, and of course the the fact it's a bit older now, so it looks older, just makes it really chimes with this being a kind of vintage type story so um i think one of the reasons he's aged so well is they're always meant to look a bit and antique aren't they <laughs> so, yeah yeah but also evergreen um yeah and then plus the staging is quite good like you say so all right maybe maybe not um that that scene of the the skeletal hand but we do see the skull-like face of death, don't we? And that's not do, too yeah. bad. That's that's all right. I mean, a skull's quite. A, I mean, <laughs> of course, it doesn't try and move. <laughs> so, so a skull's a skull's quite quite an effective image. And so, so that's yeah. that's that's pretty good. And the cat's done really well. Uh, and yeah. So, yeah. So you kind of have to go back to remembering that the the, the fairly small budget this had. Yeah. Uh, a 10 day well. shooting schedule yeah and, and it was yeah turned around quite quickly so they do some pretty amazing stuff given yeah. that yeah and filmed all that uh, norwich cathedral yeah um so it's so, a uh, really beautiful location and chimes with 
with um, the kind of uh, East Anglian location that that M.I. James liked to use a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, and then there's kind of, it's kind of a postscript, isn't it? Where, where um, Dr. Black goes to try and find the, uh, the uh, figures in the stalls, but they're long gone. Yeah, uh, and and he speaks to the creator in the museum, who said, "Oh yeah, well we they we got burnt, and there was this weird spell in them, and and the spells like uh something like uh it, it says if you touch this and if you've got a bloody hand, i.e. you're yeah. murdering swine, then watch out because I'm going to get you." And and the, the wood was made from the wood of the hanging tree, which is a pretty Jamesian thing. I yeah, think yeah, he, he yeah. uses that more than once that motif. Yeah. <laughs> the hanging tree <laughs> so so um and that's kind of just the explanation for for what had gone before which is done in a way that it's it's not um okay you've had the good bit now now here's here's the exposition i think it's it's done quite well um okay so i mean that was a that was a really quick run through it's a quite quite a quick um it's about 35 minutes or something like that um yeah yeah story and and um i'm gonna say the central i mean this sets um a standard here well okay maybe follows the standard of whistle and i'll come to you by having this really strong um central performance uh, and yes. that's this time robert hardy 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 <laughs> robert hardy uh, great actor not i mean like, like a lot of the actors in this particular one not really known um for for his drama, although maybe, yeah, I mean, Winston Churchill, he's a great, great Winston Churchill, isn't he? But um, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think he, his enduring fame is is through, um, well, various things, Cornelius Fudge from Harry Potter <laughs> later in life. <laughs> but yeah. but, but um, what I know him from, well, I, I just think Siegfried Farnan. It's Siegfried yeah. Farnan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> from from Creatures Great and Small. He's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you know, I don't even know if he was already doing Creatures Great and so Small by this time. Uh, maybe I wouldn't he... have thought so. I think that was more late seventies, early eighties, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think I think you're right. So, um, <laughs> Demons <laughs> of the Mind, one of your favourite hammers, was after this as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all well, Creatures Great and Small started in seventy eight, so consider considerably after this. It, um, yeah. Um, but he was already a very, very well-established uh, character actor, and, and um, the way he, he's got a lot to work with here because you've got like this this confident, uh, articulate, effective man, and and um, the, and pious. Um, yeah, um, yeah. There's a scene where he's he's quite po-faced to his, his his sister, even though he's guilty as hell. That would be an inappropriate <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> I'm not. The, the, the other thing with this is that he. He's quite funny at the beginning. There's, there's when he, he's watching the older archdeacon. Um, yeah, sort of nod off and generally be a bit rubbish. There's lots of eye rolling and stuff that that's that's quite funny. And um, Robert Hardy is a fantastic comic actor. So yeah. Um, 
he, he was in an 80s sitcom called Hot Metal, playing like a, a yeah. dual role. I don't know if you remember it. Vaguely, yeah. Because I, 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 I got the, the network on air released it, and I've got the <clears> DVD, watched it a couple of years back, and it's <laughs> so brilliant, and he's so brilliant in it. <laughs> he, 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 he plays um, basically... Uh, the newspaper proprietor who's like a Robert Maxwell type. Right. And then also the newspaper editor who's basically Paul Dacre. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and he makes them so he makes them so diff- distinct from each other that um you just forget it's the same person playing it. <laughs> um and he's hilarious in that. So Robert Hardy, uh, very, very funny actor, yes. But um, but also a very talented actor, so he can do the range and the, the like you say, the, the comedy early on, and then the descent into um, yeah, torment uh, yeah. later. Um, so so re- really love that. And, and I think that a lot of these um, stories really uh, hinge on that. I think if you had somebody who was a bit rubbish in that central role. It, that it would struggle to be quite as scary. I think I think they really rely on having having someone decent in play, playing the central character to, to convince you. I think because they can't rely on flashy special effects and stuff. I think it, it, a lot of the atmosphere is around that. And I, that's absolutely correct. And I think um, I say it sets the standard sets the format because the ghost stories for christmas from here in are all built around a big central performance yeah um so, so yeah and then that that's what cat carries it through um, now but the supporting cast pretty good as well it's slightly uneven there's a, cu- a couple of performances where you think is that actually a, a non-actor <laughs> is, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, Thelma Barlow is absolutely fine, and yeah. um, the actor that played Archdeacon Pulteney, I did not recognise him. No, but I, he, I, is he the one you're thinking of as perhaps being the non-actor? N- no, no, no. no? Um, so I, I think uh, for the non the um, the guy that played the verger. The, oh, okay. Uh, uh, but but there's there's a, there's a couple that that. Are, either very naturalistic style actors who are not actually <laughs> actors but but um no no the, um, the guy that played Archdeacon Pulteney's name is Harold Bennett yeah he was pretty old by by the time he did this um yeah I think he was in fact I can see he was in his 70s but um he he was uh, a supporting cast member for Dad's Army that became okay young mr grace so so he was, ah. he was young mr grace from are you being served wow. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um so, so and, and he's quite i mean he's quite he's not in much obviously he gets murdered no. quite early yeah. on but he, he you can see that he'd be funny so that's yeah, that's yeah. Quite, <laughs> yeah. um and, and another member of the cast i'd like to call out is the museum curator you just yeah. didn't at the end do the exposition, right? But um, it's Ambrose Coghill, whom um, <laughs> is actually the colonel from the Jonathan Miller whistle and I'll come to you. So the, oh, okay. now there's a direct connection be- between the two, obviously M.I. James, but this is this is another yeah. direct connection between um, whistle and I'll come to you and the first of the, the true that, ghost stories of Christmas. Is that deliberate, do you think? 
Oh, it must be. Absolutely must be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, I think it is. I, I wouldn't be, uh, I, I don't know whether he even thought about getting Michael Horden to play, to play Haynes. That wouldn't, I mean, that could have worked. Michael yeah. a very good actor, but, but um <laughs> he, he obviously didn't do that and he goes for a different actor every time actually so so yeah. he clearly sees it as um you know, not a vehicle for an actor but but actually just like distinct very separate adaptions um as he's d- developed it although at this point it, it, this could well just be a one-off like like yeah. a, a calling card if, if, if you will and it and it was it was successful actually it absolutely was and actually um uh, that takes me to what uh, i would like to call a brand new section of the podcast right <laughs> okay. i haven't told you this paul because you know i didn't want to spoil the surprise but i've come up with a brand new absolutely fantastic feature that you're gonna okay. love i call it avbhqi okay yeah and there was a little pause there. You could even put the theme music, right? Okay. And this is a bit <laughs> where I give you like a, a bit, a bit of quite interesting information. <laughs> okay. okay. And here, here's my here's my for the stalls at Barchester. Well, at the stalls at Barchester and a warning to the curious. Actually, the only ghost stories for Christmas that were first broadcast on Christmas Eve. So, oh. yeah. I mean, I I. I got into uh, Ghost Stories for Christmas by watching reruns, like yeah. 80s, 90s reruns, BBC Two, Late at Night, always Christmas Eve. So I think of this as a Christmas Eve thing. But no, only Stalls at Barchester and Warnings the Curious were first broadcast at that time. Lost Hearts and the Ice House were actually shown uh, first time on Christmas Day itself. And, okay. and, the, and, and the others um, were first shown only round christmas so a ghost story okay. for christmas ish <laughs> so where, where does the notion that it's a christmas eve thing come from well i maybe it comes from doesn't it come from um mr did mr james do his story readings at christmas eve i think isn't, isn't it isn't it a christmas eve tradition to do ghost stories on christmas eve oh, i think yeah possibly yeah yeah i think Robert might have mentioned that in the last episode. I think he gave, he gave us some really good yeah. detailed uh, description, yeah. didn't didn't he? <laughs> Which <laughs> if we need him, sort of like as a consultant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe we do because you know I'm not big on facts, um, but <laughs> but bigger than I used to be because of my new sequence in the show. Avbh okay. well, Qi. I, well, I look forward to that every episode. Now. <laughs> I'm going to remind you of it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay that's all i've got for this episode though so let's let's go back to the normal podcast <laughs> <laughs> well i mean and um what else is there to say really um well have you, have you got any points did you read the mr james story um i did yeah oh nice yeah. see there we do do some proper <laughs> some proper research so, so apart from the slightly different title did did you see any any other big disparities? Like Doctor Black is? Uh, no, well, he's he's not he's not in it, is he? I don't think in the story. I think you're or at right. Least, at least he's not named. So the he, the, the the his character is there in the, the the original story, but it's it's a first person 
written things. So it's Emma James know. himself, isn't it? Or, yeah. So the, the narrator, so so yeah, yeah James, a, a version of M.R. James, um, which Doctor Black could actually be, couldn't he? I mean, yeah. he is an antiquary like like M.R. James, so so you, you could you could say okay, yeah, um, Doctor Black is M.R. James. Any, any other any other any other differences? Um, not that I can remember. No, very loyal. So I think it's quite action. a good. I think it is, yeah. Um, and and uh, it actually doesn't come from ghost stories of an antiquary, does it? It comes from more ghost stories, I think, mm. that the second uh, collection, which I, I thought maybe was an interesting one to to to, to start with. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, ghost stories of, Ant of an antiquary is the, the name of the collection that everyone knows, but not all the best ones are from that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, maybe, it, maybe it's just it was chosen for... A well, a, a reason, yeah, um, maybe maybe budget budget reasons because <laughs> yeah. so, so, some of them are obviously set in, in like European holidays and things. <laughs> it might be more difficult to realise. So so yeah, I mean, but it's very like it's something you could realise it is a very filmic filmic story, isn't it? So so yeah, I think I think it's a good I think it's a good choice uh, to adapt and. I also, I, could, I mean, I'm trying to articulate. So, so Rob, Robert, Robert Lloyd Parry, who we in, interviewed in, uh, very recently in the previous episode, in fact, he, he's kind of the master exponent um, of, of like the performance of the, the short story, yeah. so, which with, with M.R. James is kind of like almost a unique thing. I, I know Robert's branching out, but, but um, we, we've had, we've had this, um, with Christopher Lee's Ghost Stories for Christmas. He, they, he did uh, Souls of Barchester very well, um, just as a yeah. performance reading. Well, not, not a reading, not I'm very clear on that, a performance, but, yeah. but, but it, it's, the, it's the literal words of the short story performed as, yeah. as, as, a, as a monologue, what have you. Um, and uh, Robert Powell's done it and Michael Bryant's done it for television and, and obviously um, it's, it's been done on uh, radio as, as well. I think Derek Jacoby, I seem to recall listening to some of those. So, so it's kind of, it's almost a um, radio. I think there's more of a tradition. I think reading stories, I, but <laughs> I think Peter Cushing did a, I think Peter Cushing did a, a radio version of not necessarily his story, but I'm sure he's done. Wow, I'd have to I have to track that. I'm I've sure never heard I've seen that. that somewhere. I'd love to track that down. I've never never heard yeah. that. Well, that'd be amazing. I, I know that. Uh, yeah, I know there are, there are some dramatizations of the stories that are lost. I think there's some ICV ones that that are, uh, that are lost uh, very sadly. Um, but but this, I mean, obviously we had the Jonathan Miller, but now now we we get and uh, with the movie, of course. Um, not the demon, but before that, but 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 now 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 we're getting into like sort of BBC costume drama versions of of Emma James, and, and and it just works so extraordinarily well. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, I've just looked it up, and on somebody has posted on, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, it's only eleven minutes long though, so I don't know. It can't be the whole story, but. Yeah, Lost Hearts by M.R. James, read by Peter Cushing. Oh my goodness! Apparently on the radio. 
well, we should post the we should post the YouTube link um to to, to our channel so people can enjoy that and so I can click on the link because I <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I mean the story should probably be about forty five yeah. minutes. BBC, so. BBC, <laughs> BBC Radio Four, 29th of October, nineteen seventy eight. Apparently. Oh wow! I, hard... I, this this can't be the whole thing. No, I mean that's going to be like Ghost Kids. Ah, the heart's missing. Oh. Don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, it was it was an abridged version. That's yeah, quite. Yeah. That's quite abridged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've just abridged it there, but but you know, possibly they stretch <laughs> it out a little bit more. <laughs> okay, that that's that's an, that, that's pretty exciting actually, but it's, it's a bit of a segue. Um, so I don't. The, the, yeah, go for it. But the only other thing I, I I wanted to just comment on was that there was this um one of the other members of the cast is someone called Eric Chitty. Yes. Uh, uh and. He has got quite, quite a uh, filmography, and yeah. played lots of uncredited or small roles in lots of different things that, that that we would like. So he was in *Lust for a Vampire*. Professor Hertz. Wow, yeah. he was, wasn't he? Amazing uh, Mr. Blunden, Thought of Horror*. Amazing Mr. Blunden, which is about to, well, it has been remade. They're about to show it. Bolt of Horror, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I saw the 7% solution in Jabberwocky there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you know that's amazing? Because yeah. I, I think the priest is pretty much a background character. I don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, I... seems, he seems to have a lot of uncredited or background characters or place sort of waiters or in Jabberwocky, he's second door opener. Um, in Doctor uh, Shivago, his old soldier, Doctor Shivago, yeah. David Lean. <laughs> <Wow. Yeah. laughs> um, I think Professor Hertz in Lust of Vampire gets murdered quite early, but I, can, I think that's a real yeah, character. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he does. <laughs> uh, yes, he literally you, is the second door opener in Jabberwocky. <laughs> that's that's um, yeah, a strange take in film. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you pointed that out because I, I hadn't even clicked clicked on that. He was in a Oliver Twist, which is another David Lee film. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hadn't clicked on that because I, I just didn't think that you know the the, the priest was a, <laughs> anyone I wanted to talk about. So what good spot, excellent spot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. Now and also um, David Pugh. Yes, who, who appears in a number of well, a couple of other um, ghost stories for Christmas as well. Does he? Oh, uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, he. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, yeah, so he's also in a warning to the curious in the ash tree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, so uh, I did say that. Um, Lawrence Gordon Clark wasn't going for an ensemble cast, but but that well, I actually wasn't going for a single star, but, but actually, even both versions of that are, are wrong. Um, because Dr. Black does reappear, yes, <laughs> yeah, but but as you've, as you've found, David Pugh does as well, yeah, <laughs> uh, not not as not as the same character, <laughs> no, but. But yeah, oh, no, that's no, that's a good spot. It's amazing. Um, you know, we've done some really in-depth research on this one. Well, I think our listeners will be very pleased with us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've actually got um, got a closing point. I, I okay. really, 
wanting to make, but it, it needs to be the closing point. So have you got have you got any, anything else you want to say, or shall, shall I go straight? Um, no, I don't think there's anything else to say. So, well, clo- okay. close away. Right. Okay. So it, this is quite good. This is another thing uh, that's new for this episode, right? So at looking looking in, I thought I really knew all these ghost stories, right? So looking in the Wikipedia page of all, all the ghost stories for Christmas, all the related ghost ghost stories through that, oh, I've seen them all, all of them, <laughs> right? I, I literally have. Um, but I found by, you know, digging a bit deeper that there is a Lawrence Gordon Clark ghost story that I haven't seen. Okay. Um, and it's actually a really significant one. It's, it's difficult to get hold of, but it's really significant. And do you know why this is a special feature? Because I'm not going to tell you what it is until our next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned, Paul, because in our next episode, I'm going to tell you about the Lawrence Gordon-Clark ghost story I haven't seen I'm really excited about. All right. Wait wait an entire week. Two weeks. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. And on that bombshell... I've been Chris Denton. And I'm still Paul Monk. Good night. Bye.